So you have, it's really important for us to draw the line from what we do to how God's gonna use that. So if you're a greeter, if you're a worship leader, when you are speaking into somebody's life, when you're speaking truth, we, all, we, we must make sure that we are doing it with love. Because leading worship without love is not gonna be as effective as it would have been otherwise. Greeting without love is not gonna be effective. Nobody wants to walk into a church and say hi to somebody that is not greeting them in a loving way. If any gift is exercised without love, it is far less effective. Welcome back to the PC Youth Pod. We are continuing our series in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. This week's message, we look at 1st Corinthians 13. So grab your Bible, something to write with, as we hear this week's message from Pastor Spencer. I'm excited for tonight. How many of you are excited to be here? I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited that we get to have fun together, but more importantly, I'm excited to dive into God's Word. I'm excited to continue in our series, Corinthians. We're looking at the first and second Corinthians, Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. And tonight, we're going to talk about love. And a lot of you are like, oh no. Come on now, Carson. Gold star. Good job. First Corinthians 13. A lot of you hear the word love and you you feel a little bit cringy and awkward. I'm here to tell you tonight that love is not reserved for Valentine's Day, uh, weddings, or like relationships. There's a lot more to this word love. We're focused tonight. We're focused tonight. Love is not excluded. The topic of love is not excluded to Valentine's Day, weddings, and dating relationships. Love should be in everything that we do. And tonight we're going we're gonna to try to solve an issue together. We're going to try to understand what God's word says about love and I feel strongly that when we as individuals, we face, we face problems, we face uh, trials, when those issues become so grand in our life, we oftentimes forget what it means to care and love others because we're so focused on our inward self. Self-love is crucial. It's important for you to love yourself because God made you a perfect human in his eyes, so it's important for you to love who you are, but, and also, love for others is imperative. It's important that we as the church, we as a youth ministry, we as the body of Christ, honestly, even the earth, it's important that we love each other. And tonight, I'm going to make a bold statement. I don't see that happening in culture today. Love was at the center of everything Jesus did. He poured out love all over the place. And it was at the center of everything, everything he did. So as Christ followers tonight, love should be at the center of everything we do. Because Jesus had love in every action that he performed. We as Christians even have a, have a higher standard because Jesus loved us first. So we must love others in the same way. Like I said, often love is reserved for like February, marriage or relationships. I'm here to tell you tonight that love is not limited to those areas of our life. Love is in all that we do. Love is needed for the health of the church. Love is needed for the health of PC youth and for the health of the world. Love is needed. All over culture, In this very day and age, love is being lost, it is forgotten about, it is being corrupted. Love is a very important aspect in our lives. And I think the reason, I think, let me think about this for a second. I think Satan knows that. I think Satan knows how important love is. Love is what binds a family together. Love is what binds a relationship between a mom and a dad and their kids 
Love binds that together. Love is in everything that we do. And I feel like if the enemy knew that he could attack love, he could impact a lot of areas. So love has been corrupted all over culture and society and churches. That's bold. Love has been corrupted in churches today. We live in a world that has, taint, has a tainted view of what love is. We're going to dive into this later, but there's a very big difference between biblical love, love that is founded in Jesus, and society love, cultural love. There's a big difference between the two. We live in a world that has a tainted view of what love looks like. Imagine, imagine if, that, if that weren't the case. Imagine, I mean, we're a fallen, a fallen kind, but imagine if, if love was not corrupted. Imagine what our world would look like. I think there's a very specific reason the enemy went after it. Tonight, I'm excited to dive into this with you, but first we're going to pray. We're going to set the tone for God's word to speak. Dear Jesus, thank you for this evening. God, thank you for all the fun that we get to have every Wednesday and every Sunday. God, I feel in this moment uh, a heaviness. Maybe when the, the topic of love is brought up, it it pierces some souls. It, it's really real and raw, and it's, it's an issue that some of us students and leaders have experienced in a very real way. God, I pray that tonight as we dive into your word, that, that your word would, would pierce through any insecurity, any corruption. And God, that we would understand tonight how important it is for us to love all of those around us just as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue in our series, like I said. Corinthians, looking at Paul's letters to the Corinthian church. Carson called it out earlier. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of you know that passage of scripture. Even if you don't know the Bible at all, I'm guaranteeing, or may, I'll, I'm willing to bet that a lot of you have heard um, 1 Corinthians 13 at least quoted in maybe a marriage ceremony, or you've heard it in some relationship contest. It's a very, very well-known portion of scripture. I want to encourage you tonight, because it is so well known, I want to encourage you tonight to hear this portion of scripture for the very first time. Hear it for the very first time. I'm going to go to, I messed up my notes, hold up. Hear this portion of scripture for the very first time. Yes, it is applicable in a love and relationship setting, a dating relationship setting, a marriage setting. It's very applicable in those settings, but I feel very strongly tonight that it's a crucial passage for us to follow as we learn how to love one another and how we learn, learn to understand how love should exist in the church and in the body of Christ. How should we as Christians and Jesus followers utilize love? What should it look like in our lives? How do we love those around us and far away from us? What does following the example of Jesus look like? We're going to try to answer all of those tonight. So open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I love the teachings of Paul. I think he's a very wise man. I know he's a very wise man. And his words to the Corinthian church in this time, a long time ago, are still going to speak to us tonight in a very real way. Start in verse 1. Are you guys there? 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1. It says this. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but we have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not loved, I gain nothing. I'm going to go straight in tonight. It is so easy for us tonight. I'm going to really try to cater this to our context. 
It is so easy for us tonight as the church to get so caught up in all of our spiritual giftings and forget what is most important, love. The church can get so caught up and look what I can do. Look at the, 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 prophetic, the prophetic gift that I have. Look at, look at all these things that God has gifted me. And oftentimes, I'm maybe not even saying it for our church, but the church as a whole focuses on what God has given us, but we don't deliver it in a way that is following love. If you practice your spiritual gifts, all of us have spiritual gifts that God has placed in us for a very unique and real purpose. All of us have them. And they're all different. Some the same, but they're all unique, catered to us. If, if you practice your spiritual gifts and do it without exercising love at the same time, Paul says we are nothing. We've been talking a lot about giftings a lot, a lot lately. We've been, there's a, I preached a whole message on it. I think it ties together so well. God has gifted each of you uniquely and perfectly in his eyes. Remember that. If you are really good at running tech and you're insecure that you can't lead worship, Stop being insecure because God has gifted you in the area of tech. If you are really good at leading worship and you wish you were a better communicator, yes, you can grow in these areas, but God has gifted you in the ways of worship. Soak in that. Acknowledge it. But when you exercise those giftings, do it in love. So when you are leading worship, I was watching our worship team tonight. And to lead worship is such a privilege because you're literally ushering in the presence of God. You're allowing space for the presence of God to move. So when you are leading worship, it's imperative that you lead out of love. Because the moment you start leading out of, oh, look what I'm doing, look how good my voice is, you're missing it. When you're greeting on a Sunday, so many of you are on the First Impressions team. You're a service host. When you are greeting on a Sunday, do it with love. Because if you greet out of love and if you welcome people into the house of God with love, They will notice and they will remember. A pastor even said to our pastoral staff today, we had a guest speaker come, and he believes at his church that between the, sorry, by the time a new person drives into their church property, from the moment they hit the parking lot till they get to their seat in the sanctuary, they should have seven genuine, genuine smiles at them. That's the goal for that pastor, his staff. Their goal is to smile, have seven genuine smiles for a new person by the time they hit the street from their seat. So you have, it's really important for us to draw the line from what we do to how God's going to use that. So if you're a greeter, if you're a worship leader, when you are speaking into somebody's life, when you're speaking truth, we, all, we, we must make sure that we are doing it with love. Because leading worship without love is not going to be as effective as it would have been otherwise. Greeting without love is not going to be effective. Nobody wants to walk into a church and say hi to somebody that is not greeting them in a loving way. If any gift is exercised without love, it is far less effective. Truth without love. I'm going to, this is, I'm going to hone in on this a little bit. If you have a sit-down conversation with somebody that you know needs a little bit of correction, maybe they're off in their, in their faith journey, they're, they're walking down a wrong road, we can throw all of the truth at them because we know, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You need, you need to be in your word more. You need to be in relationship with God more. If we throw all of that truth at them with no love, it is not going to be received. And on the flip side of that, if, if we only love and say, hey, whatever, you, whatever, whatever makes you feel good, do that. I'm here to cater towards whatever your needs are. Uh, do what makes you feel best. How many times have you heard that? If that's all we do, you're not going to be effective. There's a fine balance between loving and showing truth that meets in the middle. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to go anymore. 
on that one. When you are exercising any of your gifts, do it with love. Or do it, dare I say, may it, it may not be well received. Paul even says, if you've given, this is the best at this end of this passage. He says, even if you've given all that you have and then die. If you've, if you've poured out all of your giftings and then die. And you have not loved at all, you're going to gain nothing. So you might be saying already, Spencer, okay, I understand. Love is important. What does it look like to love then? How do I do this? How do I do it according to the will of God? You've said that our world has corrupted love. So what does a biblical world, uh, definition of love look like? How do we do it? How did we do it as Jesus did? Go with me to verse 4. I'm not going to answer it. The Bible is. Paul says that love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. How many times, I'm going to stop. How many times have you been excited when somebody messes up because you're annoyed at that person? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So many of you have heard this passage in a marriage context, at a wedding, and you haven't thought about what it means to exist and to, to, to make this passage applicable to your daily life. Yes, in a marriage, we are called to love all things, to believe all things, to hope all things, and endure all things. But we're also called to do that in our daily life, in our daily walk with the Lord. The characteristics of love that Paul listed, I believe strongly, are the characteristics of Jesus. If you were to read about Jesus in any of the parts of the New Testament, all of those characteristics would be evident in the way that he went after people. As a body of believers and as the church Tonight, as a youth ministry, it should be our hearts and de hearts desire to love just as Jesus would have and did. As a Christian tonight, it should be the desire of your heart to live exactly according to how God and Jesus love. That should be the desire of your heart. Jesus loved that. Sorry. Jesus loved those that didn't deserve it. Think of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Think of the woman of blood. Think of all of the miracles in the New Testament. Think about all of the times Jesus interacted with people that the world would say didn't need to be interacted with. Think about that. Jesus did not come, I've said this so many times, Jesus did not come just for the rich and the perfect. Also, none of us are perfect, remember. Jesus came for the hurting, for the broken, for the lost, for the wicked. And he loved those that the world would say, they don't deserve love. They're, they're too far gone. Let me remind you tonight, you didn't deserve Jesus' love. Yet he loved you and offered you saving grace and access to heaven, eternity with him. So who are you? This is a question for you tonight. If Jesus loved you, an undeserving sinner, if Jesus loved me, an undeserving sinner, and offered me eternal grace, eternal life in heaven, who are we to say, oh, my peer, this person does not deserve my love? This person has really been ticking me off lately. They don't deserve any ounce of love that I could give them. That is a disgrace to the way God loved you. Because God loves that person. Jesus loves that person. So who are we to say one human, oh, that person, uh, I'm, I'm not wasting my time there. Who are we to say that? Be patient. Be kind. Do not envy or boast. Do not be arrogant or rude. Do not insist on your own desires. Do not be irritable or resentful. Do not rejoice in wrongdoing. That one. Rejoice with the truth. Love, bear, believe, hope, and endure all things just like Jesus did. Go with me to verse 8. Love never ends. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away as well. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Paul is telling us that love is not a temporary thing. Love is not for like a week. Oh, I'm just going to love this person for one week out of my life and everything's going to go good. The love that Jesus showed was constant. It didn't end. It was abounding. So the love that we should display to everyone around us and away from us, for that matter, the love that we should display should be abounding and never-ending. Biblical love does not end. Biblical love is not conditional. Do you see how clear Paul is in this passage? Love is not an option. It's not, it's not oh, I have a one-week time window. Like I said, it's important. Paul didn't tell us that we can pick and choose when we exercise the love of Jesus. Oh, I don't really know. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like I have to love that person because they've done so much to me. Well, I don't, Spencer, I, there's no way you're telling me I have to love that person that did this, this, and this, and this to me in a real way. You're not telling me that. Yes, I am. I struggle with it. I'm not here, I, I'm not up here telling you that I've done all of this perfectly my entire life. I still don't today. But I am preaching a message that God spoke to me first. And I felt it was timely for our youth ministry and for the church and for the world today. Paul was clear. He showed the, important, the importance of love. So here's my main point tonight. Biblical love is essential for the health of the church and its believers. Not, hence, the, I, I didn't say worldly love. I didn't say love according to how the world would define it. I said biblical love, love that is found in the Bible, is essential for the health of the church and its believers. Also, displaying, so it's essential, we all need it, displaying, exercising biblical love is essential for those who have not yet been saved. If you are trying to witness to somebody and show Jesus to them, and you are trying to do it based on the definition of culturally love, you are not going to be as effective as you would if you were displaying a, a biblical Jesus-like love. Non-believers, lost people, need to know who Jesus is, not, not, who, another, uh, not who another version of a wannabe is. Lost people need to know who Jesus is. They need to know what his love is, how, how real it is, how authentic it is. They don't need to know about your emotions or your opinions. Don't love according to the, to the world. If you're trying to, to reach people with an with a, with a understanding of the gospel, yes, but you're presenting it in a world-defined way of love, it's not going to be as effective. So Spencer, oh, we're human tonight. You say it all the time, we're a fallen people we're never going to achieve a biblical a definition of love. I'm never going to achieve it. I'm fallen. Like I have, how can you expect me to pursue a perfect love that Jesus displayed for us? I'm here to tell you tonight that you're actually right. If that's, your, if that's your argument right now, if that's what you're feeling in your head, you are right. None of us will ever make it as Jesus was. None of us will ever be perfect like he was. He was the only one. He was the only one. None of us will ever be perfect, but if, if that's your goal tonight, I need you to stop striving for it. If, you're, if your goal is perfection tonight, I need you to stop striving for it. A lot of, I've, I think I shared this before. There was a moment over the past few months when we would talk a lot around here about a culture of excellence. We want to present the gospel. We want to present Jesus in an excellent way, which is important. But I, I feel like excellence, another pastor, I've just been getting downloaded from people this week. 
Another pastor again today said, excellence and perfection are often synonymous. So if we are seeking excellence, we're actually probably seeking perfection, which is actually not obtainable. Because Jesus was the only perfect. So instead, we've shifted our thinking around here to, to a culture of improvement. How can we better, be better than we were the week before? And yes, that applies to, to the way that we put on a worship service, but it also applies to our individual walk with the Lord. How can I be better today in my walk with Jesus than I was yesterday? Because I'm never going to be perfect in it. So if that is your argument, oh, Spencer, I'm never going to be perfect in the way I love. You're right. But our desire to, to, should be to continue to improve, to be better in the way that we love than we were yesterday. Perfect biblical love will never be achieved because we're not Jesus. But as Jesus followers, we should strive to improve upon our current level of love every single day. We should still strive to be more and more like Jesus and to love more and more like him. And let me tell you tonight, we're not, the, the, this is not the goal for the sake of ourselves. It's not just for the sake of the church and for the lost and for, for those that have never been loved effectively. It's, it's for the sake of the, hel- of the health of our lives and everything around it. We can't love selfishly. You can't, you can't display a Jesus-like love and be selfish at the same time. It's important to remember that. Worship team, will you join me on stage? I know it's just a few of you. But I mean, as I was preparing and, and thinking about this message, I knew, it, I knew it was one that is maybe heard of before. Like, like I said, you've all heard this passage. Maybe not all of you. But I, I knew that, that there, would be, there would be pushback. And I'm here to tell you tonight that, that this room, on April 27th at 8.15 p.m., this room is full of amazing students. And yes, I am not perfect. You are not perfect. No leader in here is perfect. But you are all amazing. And you have been, you have been gifted very uniquely and I believe so strongly that, that this youth ministry exists for a time such as this. Because we have made it clear that the world has corrupted love. We're talking about love specifically. The world has corrupted it. And I believe that us in this room right now are here to make a change, to do something about it. So yes, we're not perfect, but you are all amazing. And I hope you hear my heart on this next part. I hope you hear what I'm about to say. Hear my heart in this. You are amazing. Your leaders are amazing. But if I'm very honest, we do not do a good job of loving each other. Hear my heart. I'm not here to condemn. That's not my job. You are an amazing group of students, but we do not love each other well. We just don't. And you might say, Spencer, that's really harsh. How can you get up in front of a group of students and say that? A lot of us, hear me, a lot of us are loving our peers and those close to us according to a world definition of love. Me included. The world is so set on what love looks like, and I'm telling you, it's the farthest from the truth. And I... I feel for you every single week. My heart is heavy every single day because you have to go through it. The world that you exist in right now is not for you. It is aimed and destined to take you out. And so, so no wonder 
that the love that has been displayed for you, I, I pray every single day that you would be modeled what biblical love looks like. But I'm, I'm not an idiot. I understand that a lot of your stories in here are not that. A lot of you haven't been displayed from a young age what it looks like to love according to the gospel. So a lot of us tonight have been displayed what, what a cultural def- definition of love looks like. A lot of you have grown up around it. Maybe you're the first Christian in your home. It probably hasn't been displayed to you from a young age how it looks like. You've, you've been understanding a love from a, from a culture perspective. And so my conclusion tonight is saying that we do not love well is because a lot of us in here don't know what biblical love looks like. Because a corrupted love that the world is offering to us is so evident. It's all around you. There's nothing about social media that, that is loving according to Jesus. There's nothing about uh, relationships that are in the spotlight in culture today that are about Jesus. It's hard to figure out what biblical love looks like. It's hard to understand what a Jesus-like love looks like. You have to be in the Bible to do that. There's a big difference between worldly love and biblical love. The love according to culture, hear me, it's a list. Love according to culture, this is partially my thoughts, but also stealing a little bit from Paul's list. I would say that, that a love defined by culture would be selfish. It is prideful. It is arrogant. It is corrupt. It is out of place. It is inappropriate. It's for itself. It's, for, it's self-seeking. It does not care about the other person's feelings. A culture like love would be often described as, as what can I get from this, from this relationship or this situation? What can't I? But instead of thinking, what can I give? Dare I even say that culture like love is evil? Dare I say it? So much, so many times I hear, Spencer, what is going on, going on in our world? Why, why is it so desperate and despair? What, what, what is happening? It does not seem like we are headed to a good place. It's because we are surrounded by evil and, and Satan has attacked the one thing that he knew was important to bind us together, and that is love. So on the contrast, what does love according to God's word look like? Just as Paul told us, it's gentle and it's patient. How many times can you say to me, oh, Spencer, I, I, I come in a lot of interactions where people are really gentle and patient with me. That is not popular. Love according to God's word is, it rejoices with truth. There's a good balance between truth when you need it and love when you need it. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. A love according to God's word rejoices with truth. It's not boastful. It does not insist on its own way. It is not popular in culture today for that to be the attitude of a person. It is not popular today for that to be the way that somebody loves another. I don't know a specific stat on this, but I, 99% of the relationships you see in your middle school or high school are not based on the Bible. So if you, are, if you are feeling insecure because you don't know how to love another person, do not get your, your guidebook from your friends at school. Spencer, ah, I really love this girl. I, I, I really feel like we're meant to be together. I'm just 16. I, I, she's 17. Why, why can't we live together after high school? It makes sense. We're going to share. We're going to save money on rent. Why, why can't we sleep together before school? I don't understand. Like, it makes sense to culture. It's really logical in culture today. 
a love that is cultural is logical. Anything that would make sense in culture is probably not from the word of God. So you have to reverse your thinking. You have to be strong in your mindset when you're at school and say that you are set apart. There is a better plan. Love is not selfish. So if, if we read the, the maybe biblical definition of love, it means even when it's hard to love a person, we're still called to do it. Even when it's not logical to love a person, we still do it. Even when it's not logical to think about the people on the other side of the world that are suffering, when it's not logical to think about how can I help that person, what can I sacrifice to help the person in India that is suffering, it's not logical in culture. So when it's hard to do that, we're still actually called to love according to the will of God. All of us are sinners. It's actually natural for us to be unloving. It's actually natural for us to be more focused on ourselves. It's actually natural for us to be selfish. Tonight, maybe some of you are discouraged by this. You're saying, Spencer, we live in a world that is doomed. How are we supposed to win? Let me tell you, read the end of the book. We win. Do not be discouraged. Be reminded about what it looks like to love like Jesus did. Maybe even be convicted tonight. Conviction is, is shifting your thinking, recognizing when something is off in your life. Conviction is recognizing when you're walking down a wrong path and completely switching. So if, if you are feeling something in your heart tonight, if, you're, if your heart is being tugged and pulled and, and, and stretched, you're probably recognizing an area in your life that is, that is hardened. And God wants to move in that area. Remember, there's a better way. That way is Jesus. Love according to his example. Read the entire New Testament, lots of the New Testament, and you'll see over and over and over and over the example of Jesus. If you are struggling in a situation and you don't know what to do, figure out what Jesus did. I want to read verse 11 the end of this passage, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a man. I gave up childish way. So now faith, but the greatest of these is love. Good job, Carson. God gives you and I great opportunity, great opportunity. He puts you in unique situations where you are called to display the love of God, especially as believers. If you are a believer in the room tonight, we are called to love according to God's word. That means that his church, God's church, this youth ministry, the church at large should be full of characteristics of love that Paul has laid out for us in God's word. But the reality is that's not always the case. We see selfishness in our churches. We see, we see selfishness in our youth ministries. Let that be a challenge for you tonight to, to shift the culture to shift where, where this world is headed. So we have great immediate, we have great opportunity and influence in our immediate areas. People that are close to your schools, we have great opportunity to show the love of God there and we're called to do it. But also in other areas of this world. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna go back to this corruption that we've talked about. 
I'm going to kind of try to put a bow on this whole thing. I want to go back to the corruption that we've talked about, how the world, how Satan has taken love, which is important for existence. He has taken it as, and he has corrupted it. Can anyone, is, just be really straight up with me. Does anyone disagree with that statement? That love has been corrupted? Good. So we're all in agreement. Satan has taken love and he has corrupted it and made it evil. And it might be hard for us to understand in our context in the United States. Yes, we don't see a, a biblical definition of love very often. Yes, that is the case. But there is a way out there. there I'm going to be very specific. In India, some of you were here on Sunday and you heard Pastor Tom's message. In India, it is normal for a dad and a mom, a group, a parent, to give birth to a daughter. Hear me, do not miss this. In India, it is normal for a family to give birth to a daughter and to celebrate because that daughter at the age of 12 will be sold into sexual slavery and that family is celebrating at the point of birth because they know they will have immediate income when that daughter turns 12. In India and in other areas of this world, it is normal for a dad who is supposed to love, for a mom who is supposed to love, for a family that is supposed to be united in love, it is normal for that dad to stand outside of a 12-year-old or younger's bedroom and auction off her virginity. It is normal. They don't know any different. You have to shift your thinking. It has been so ingrained in their culture. It has been so ingrained in their culture that this is normal. This is a way of life. That the sons get involved and they help dad auction off their sister. Do you feel the weight of that? I do. On Sunday, you're gonna hear many, many more examples Jonathan and Jennifer Bear are going to come. They're the, we've talked about it a lot. They are the leaders of the organization Project Rescue. Project Rescue's mission is to solve this issue, the weight that we are feeling. It is their mission to solve it. And to, yes, save girls out of sexual slavery and exploitation, and sometimes boys. It is their mission to save them, but also to shift the way of thinking in that culture to fix corruption because the start of this mess that we are talking about right now is because the enemy has taken love and he has corrupted it and is no longer holy. It is no longer wholesome. It is selfish. How selfish for a dad to stand outside his own daughter's room and auction his daughter off. How selfish. How ignorant. So Project Rescue's mission is to change this way of thinking. It's hard for us to picture in our context. Yes, we have issues here, but there are real issues across the world as well. So I'm here to tell you tonight, we are, we are called to, yes, love according to the will of God in the Bible in our immediate areas. We are called to love just like Jesus would in Salem, in all of our schools, in our church, in our youth ministry. We are called to do it, but we are also called 
to love those on the other side of the earth that have actually probably never experienced what wholesome love looks like. Yes, Jesus loved them, but a lot of them don't know that Jesus loves them. So they've never even heard about it. It is a desire of my heart to not sit here and be content with that. You might say, Spencer, that's, that's really heavy. There's no way that can be redeemed. If Jesus can redeem Saul, if Jesus can redeem you, if Jesus can redeem me, if Jesus can be resurrected from the dead, that same power, the, the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, the blood of Jesus can redeem an entire culture. So do not tell me tonight that's, that's too messy, that's too dark, that's too evil. There's no way that's going to change. Do not tell me. Because you can have an immediate impact right away. And so on Sunday, like I said, Jonathan and Jennifer Bear are going to come in all three morning services and share. But on Sunday evening, they are expecting all of you to come. They're the CEOs of this organization. Their heart is so pure. They're in the heat of it. They're in the depths, and they're going to share real and raw stories. And they are expecting for all of you to be there on Sunday, May 1st at 6 p.m., not to make themselves feel good, but to challenge us. To challenge us to respond. So no, you cannot go there tomorrow to India and hit the dad in the face. That would not be loving. You cannot go and make immediate impact physically, but they're gonna challenge us to give of our comfort, to give of our comfort, to give of our Starbucks coffee, to give of our in and out, to give of the finances that we do have to make an immediate impact in these countries where this evil is taking place. And so if we are called to love, if we are called to love in where we're at, but also there, I challenge you to be there. Pastor Tom challenged every student that calls PC Youth their home to be at People's Church in the sanctuary on Sunday, May 1st at 6 p.m. I'm going to do the same thing. Every student that is here tonight, I challenge you to come. Because this is not the type of thing that you can sit back and say, ah, someone else will take care of it. We have a goal to raise $75,000 to fund this project. And that is not going to be done by just me. That is not going to be done by just Pastor Kira. That is not going to be just done by just Corey. We all, it is not going to be done by just Sam, by just Daniel. All of, if you sit back and say, somebody else will give, I don't have to. We will not raise the money. It takes all of us. When I prayed about that number, it's a big number. We gave $47,000 to Speed the Light this year. We're believing to give 75 this year. It's a big number. People ask me, what, what are you giving again? I'm like, 75? It's a lot. But thank God that was not my idea. Thank God that was not Corey's idea. Thank God that was God's idea. That's a God number. That is not a number that I want to say, oh, look, we're going to raise this money and make ourselves feel good. We're going to raise $75,000 to make a difference and to love across the world, across to the ends of the earth. We have a duty to do something about it. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com 
as well as on Instagram at PC Youth Salem.